You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. With rising temperatures, plastic pollution, and carbon emissions in dangerous numbers, the health of the planet's most important life-giving resource is in peril. In this segment, award-winning actresses and activists Jane Fonda and Diane Lane call attention to the world's oceans crisis. Let's listen. Good morning. I'm Bob Costa, national political reporter here at the Washington Post. Uh, thank you so much for joining our conversation here in the room at the Washington Post, also online. Use the hashtag PostLive. But we're so glad to welcome two award-winning actresses, uh, actors, and activists who are on the front lines of climate change and oceans, Jane Fonda and Diane Lane. Welcome to the Washington Post. Thank you, Bob. Post. Thank, thank you. you for having us. Thank you for being here. Watching. Two close friends on Friday. You will be there together on Capitol Hill. Fire drill Friday once again. What do you hope to accomplish as this process continues to move forward? Our goal is to reach people who um, know there's a crisis, know that it's human made, um, but they either don't know what to do or they are too scared or they've given up. Move them into the active column prepared to engage in civil disobedience and risk getting arrested because for 40 years we've been very polite and we've petitioned and we've, you know, marched and made our demands and it hasn't quite gotten us where we need to get. So we're, we're now having to do more. And I was yesterday, I think it was, I don't remember, I don't know when, when I was on the Hill meeting with the Senate Task Force on Climate and it was very clear that the senators that, you know, the Democratic senators anyway, um, they want this pressure from the outside. They want us to build it bigger. One of them said, you're building an army. Good, we need it. We need pressure from the outside. And scientists are saying, in order to do what we need to do, it's got to be numbers that are unprecedented in the streets making the demands. And that's, that's our goal. And it's happening. Diane, will you be arrested on Friday? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is a complete sentence. <laughs> yes, when Jane uh, asks you to, uh, yesterday she, you said to me, are you, are you ready to, uh, are you going to participate in civil disobedience? And I thought, oh, that sounds deep. <laughs> but yes, I want to meet the edge of what it is to be a citizen and exercise my right to protest and say we need more action. And, you know, we do these things online where we sign petitions and you personalize your comments to your representatives. Um, and uh, like when my daughter was applying to college, you know, you get all nervous about it, but they need warm bodies every year. And I, uh, sometimes there's um, arguments about being elitist or uh, it's only for people who have the free time and it's a luxury to, uh, to be, uh, a citizen, and but I feel like I'm representing those, every one of us standing there at these protests is representing a million other people who can't be there. And we, we all need to take a turn. So I'm, I'm just going to be um, the resident uh, virgin going into the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> Who's there, Jane? Who comes? Well, I've been in, <coughs> I've been in the holding pen or whatever it's called. <laughs> Um, with 
rabbis and nuns and nurses and manicurists and hairdressers and, and uh, Vietnam veterans and Iraq veterans and um, most of them have never been arrested before. That's what's so interesting. And what I did not expect and what I'm seeing is that it's a transformative experience. I mean, Ted Danson, I could see on his, we were in there together, and I could see his face changing. And he said to me afterward, Jane, I'm a different person now. Thank you so much. And I, I you know, so moved June Diane Raphael, who, along with all of the Grace and Frankie writers, came, and they were all arrested. <laughs> and, um, and our directors and the two actors who play my, my daughters in the series, and June Diane Raphael's. She said to me, when she came out afterwards, and I, was, I didn't get arrested, so I was there to provide jail support. She said, I'm moving, f yeah, we call it jail support, and it's, we're there to welcome them. Sometimes it's six to seven hours that we're waiting. She said, I'm, I'm gonna move in the world in a different way because of this experience. So that's, uh, yeah, because this has to become the new normal. To meet the new normal, which is, you know, a lot of fear and a lot of uh, grief and anger, and uh, we're a little bit in awe and in shock at how we've arrived here. Uh, all of my generation, I've been staring at this moment, waiting for it to come. And, um, you know, it's taken uh, all of the generations are, are meeting up, all, all three of us here, yeah. you know? This is the time. But why did you decide to do it this way? Well, what other way is there? No, I mean, seriously. You know, I know that there are some people, I mean, I, I won't name names, but they're you taking can. kind of, mm, John Kerry, okay. You know, a nice kind of moderate approach that will appeal to both sides of the aisle, and fine. It's too late, I'm sorry. It's too late for moderation. We could have the had fossil moderation. fuel industry has lied to us. They knew the science and they hid it and they lied. If we had started 40 years ago when they knew, we could have had a nice incremental transition off of fossil fuel. Even 20 years ago would have been. And now it's too late for moderation. We have to, we have to, if the scientists, they're usually so nerdy and, and, and conservative, mm. are saying unprecedented numbers in the streets. That's what we have to do. Who did you do. hear that from? Well, I've heard it, well, the, the inter Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change says it right in, in the report. But I interviewed Michael Mann yesterday, the very, very famous scientist, and, and he said that. You know, I asked him, because he contributed to the IPCC report in 2001, which was very different. The, the politics were different and the science was different, and now, uh, this last one in 2018, he said, no, no, we see now, and we ha we're, doing, we're stepping outside our comfort zone and, and calling for massive mobilization in the streets. So I knew, because of what Greta, was, Greta Thunberg was saying, that I had to step out of my comfort zone and stop business as usual because it's a crisis. So that's what I said. Diane, did. you've been a private person for many years, not out front as a protester. What changed? <laughs> <laughs> Another complete sentence. Um, no, I'm, 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 I'm jesting. I, I mean, honestly, I think it was, uh, 
Oceana and their work and my involvement and, and, and you know, Ted Danson wrote an amazing book by the same name, came out about 10 years ago. Um, I have it in the back room in case anybody wants some facts. It's all, and, and, and I, I just, I have a love for our planet. I have a love for the ocean and it, it is such a symbol of so many things as an artist that, and as a human being, I mean, uh, our, we came from the ocean eventually a long time ago, and uh, it just it's, it spoke to my soul. So everybody's got an entry point, is what I'm trying to say, and so mine was the oceans. And um, I've become, coming out of my comfort zone, I, I still don't do social media. You don't see a, an at symbol with my name, um, which is a little bit dangerous in this time because you know, you could become a pinata on other people's websites. I don't know. But um, I, I'm not comfortable talking about myself. I don't, I'm not a fan of doing publicity for films. Uh, I would much rather talk about things that I care about. And um, it's, it's awkward when you're not a scientist, you know? And, and uh, I've realized that we need to be, uh, represent the citizenry. And so that made me a little less afraid that I could just say, I'm an introvert, <laughs> I'm new to this, I'm shy actually, despite having to be photographed for a living and speak. But you love the ocean and you, what's happening That's right. to the ocean is just heartbreaking. That's right, and, and I'm willing to go out of my comfort zone right. and, and represent what that is Let's talk on about a big that. scale. <laughs> You're both activists and you've both spent time on Capitol Hill. You've been uh, lobbying about shark fin legislation, you've yes. seen some success there. Yes. You've been at the Senate, the House. When you are there as an activist, but also celebrity, what are the challenges when you meet with lawmakers? It depends on if you have a hit series behind you. <laughs> I mean, I, I used to lobby really in the they... 70s. It was very different, <laughs> you know. How so? Well, you know, I, yesterday I got into the elevator and there was Ted Cruz. Okay, if it had been that he wasn't he was a baby in the 70s, but if he'd been in an elevator with me in the 70s, he probably would have gotten off the elevator or not spoken to me. But because of Grace and Frankie, he was really, he was very friendly. Ted Cruz. Yeah. Senator Cruz. Yeah. But, uh, Diane, when you're there, I know you've, you've established some relationships with some moderate Republicans, some Democrats. Yeah. You've been I mean, able to I've, break through a little bit. I'd like to give a shout out to Minority Speaker McCarthy. I, I, he did it well. No, he, he was an effective uh, turning us purple for the environment, and I appreciate him helping get the shark fin bill passed. The, yes, it's a step, it's a step. It might have been uh, the least controversial one. I, I appreciate it, and I, and I just, you know, we, we have to go out of our comfort zones in our politics, too. And uh, it's, it's important, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm grateful for progress, however we can shout it from the mountaintops for our planet and for our species. How did you Can't close have the that oceans deal fail. With, with Leader McCarthy and other Republicans? How did you make that case clearly effective? Did you meet with him? I did. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about you and China syndrome <laughs> and being a, and, and, and uh, in this, you know, just I'm all impressed. the time. Thank you. So how did it go? Well, it seems to have been a grain of sand on the, on the scale that I was feeling excited to be part of That's legislation. Cool. I mean, it's a beautiful thing to, I'm afraid of sharks. I thought it was so surreal to have 
myself come there, but I was so happy to do it because it is part and parcel of the survival of the ecosystem of the oceans, which yeah. we all depend on. Yeah. And there's a lot of math and science behind that, which I won't pull the string and spout out at you, but um, yeah, so a win is a win is a win. You've uh, met with many politicians, but what's noticeable when you look at your crowds for Fri Fire Drill Fridays, no politicians. No. Why? We, Why not? We want to stay. They're not in town, someone said. Uh, th yes, <laughs> they're not in town. But um, <clears throat> probably only Democrats would come. And there are people who are joining us that are, that are independent or Republican. And so w we don't want to, you know, appear political, I mean, it's very political. The policies that have to happen yeah. are obviously political, but we're not inviting any candidates or any politicians to join. That, that may change, because this is growing. I mean, this is gonna be happening around the country. Uh, you mentioned Greta Thunberg and her- Thunberg. Thunberg, excuse me. Uh, You're, it's okay. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it. Has she inspired you? Totally. I, you've never met her, but you accepted no. an award or gave an award right. on her, to her? I read a book over Labor Day weekend. Have any of you read the Naomi Klein's new book called On Fire, The Burning Case for a Green New Deal? I'm in the uh, middle of it on, on my uh, yeah. phone, uh, audi it's really, audio. It's really, it's, it's, she always writes in a way that just grabs you and pulls you in. But the way she wrote about Greta uh, <coughs> uh, really shook me. <coughs> I didn't know that Greta was on the spectrum, that she has Asperger's. And, she, and Naomi d explained what that means in terms of why Greta can focus the way she can. Greta calls her Asperger's her secret power. And, and, um, and I think she's right. Her superpower, it's not a secret. Secret, superpower, thank you, exactly. <laughs> That's what she says. And people on the spectrum don't, what they see if they're interested in something isn't clouded by wanting to fit in or be popular or other people's obfuscations or rationalizations. They see what they see and it comes right at them unadulterated. And she saw what was coming and then she looked around and nobody was behaving appropriately <laughs> in the face of a crisis. Not and funny. it so tra traumatized her, she stopped speaking. You know what got her out of her trauma? the Parkland students in Florida. When she read about what the young kids in Florida were doing, she decided to take her sign and plonk herself down in front of the Swedish parliament. <clears throat> and when I read that and read the kind of things that she says, and if any of you have seen her in videos when she's speaking to Congress or the UN or whatever, you can see this incredible focus. She just tells it like it is, and that's what when I read that, I said, okay, I'm going to move to D.C. I asked Ted Sarandos to give me a year off and put Grace and Frankie on, the, on hiatus, and he kind of went, what? Couldn't do it. But, um, so it was only four months, but I want to make Greta proud. She said, there's no older people. We're doing this ourselves. Where Come are on, the adults? adults? Where are the adults? Yeah. So I, I said, I'm going to show up. That's what motivated me. Yay, Greta. You've both had immense success at young ages. Any advice for Greta as she encounters this global celebrity? You had something wonderful to yeah, answer Yeah, just, just don't let them get you. Right. You know, she's being attacked. Don't let the you-know-whats get you down. So cruelly. And that means that she's having an effect. 
And, <laughs> and I've written to her and I've said, don't let them get to you. It just proves you're, you're, you're right and, and, and keep going and be brave. And she, she, she had somebody else answer for me. I've never heard directly from her. So let's step back a bit. Fire Drill Fridays, not everyone in this room or watching this stream may understand how exactly they work. They're every Friday, they have a theme. How did you come up with it? Well, didn't, didn't Greta Thunberg coin that phrase? Fire Drill Friday? Well, no, she said the world's on. The wor the, our house is on house fire. Is on, we, we have, have to, to behave act like, it is. like it's a crisis. And, and so, okay, house is on fire, so we'll have Fire Drill Friday because Friday is the day that she chose. Did you interpret that? I have to ask this, I wanted to no, know. No, the I'm person who sorry, came up, the, we're doing a documentary and the sound guy came up with the idea. <laughs> After all these smart people, we sat around in a circle trying to figure out what are we gonna call these things? The sound guy took off his headphones and said, what about Fire Drill Friday? It was so cool. So how they, I wanted from the get-go, I wanted it to be a learning experience so that every Friday we focus on a different aspect of climate change and show the intersectionality. And because you can't really go deep at a rally, we have a teaching every Thursday, like tonight at seven. It's live streamed around the world. I've watched everyone. They are really needed You're and appreciated. You're so good. You're just, I'm well, just, yeah. I'm, I'm unemployed at the moment, but I, <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm going to play a senator on FX. And then, and then on Friday, we meet at 11 o'clock, and we, and we have an hour's rally where all the experts speak, and then we engage in civil disobedience. And what's it like when you're detained? <laughs> I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> Hear it from the newbie. Have, has it, have you uh, grown I've been palaces? arrested before, but not for civil disobedience. Oh. So that it's, you know, to, to be arrested for something that is within your constitutional right, that you <laughs> know is for a good cause, it's an interesting experience. I mean, the first time I was arrested, and there are these really uncomfortable uh, white plastic handcuffs, and they put my hands behind me. Now, I, you know, I'm about to be 82, okay? And then there's this paddy wagon. Well, I shouldn't call it that because I like the Irish. Um, <laughs> police vans, okay? And they're high. To get in it, you have to step up and you, have, you can't hold on to anything. It was so embarrassing. I, I had to, the cop had to take my butt and <laughs> push me and push me in. And then you're in, there's five little seats and they're all very, very hard and seat straps. So you're in there with people, you, you know, these women that you don't know and you get to know them and it's really fun and it takes forever to get. The first time they, they were only about, I don't know, 13 of us. So we were put into cells and groups and we organized. We planned and organized, but while now, you're detained now, while we were detained, but then now there's like 54 people, you know, there's large numbers of people. So we were taken to a warehouse and you know, patted down up against the wall, and we have to, you know, they every single thing you have, and then they they put you in different handcuffs, and then you wait sometimes seven or eight hours that you pay fifty bucks and they let you out. So you're both so passionate about climate change and about the oceans, but as a reporter, I travel around the country, and you can tell sometimes in certain parts of this country there's not this level of enthusiasm for the issues you both champion. How do you break through to someone who's a conservative Republican farmer? in the Midwest who may not put this at the fore of their agenda? I was uh, at the hotel bar when I arrived from uh, Los Angeles and I uh, met some lovely people and the guy was from North Carolina and we started talking and 
And uh, it, it was just an interesting situation because I, I said, we started talking about the weather. I mean, isn't that the oldest thing you could ever possibly begin a conversation politely about? Has the weather become like talking about politics or religion? I mean, good Lord. So it's interesting because he was a, um, he uh, makes houses so that they're uh, airtight and, and up to code in terms of being, uh, not wasting you know, energy. And uh, so it turned out that he was interested. And I said, do you think climate change is political? Do you find that the, the concept of cons being concerned about these things uh, a political issue? And, and he didn't necessarily think so, but the farther we got into it, it, it touched on, it just opened up a conversation. I think asking questions and listening is what people want to experience. They want to be asked for their experience. They want to be asked for their opinions. They want to be asked about what they think for, about their children. Um, because it touches everybody. We're all kind of on edge and losing a little sleep and we think about it as we drink water and, and we should. What about well, I canvassed for, for Working America, which is the community outreach arm of the AFL-CIO, and I was in Scranton, Pennsylvania, for example, and I've been in other places, spent a lot of time in Michigan, and they're there year-round, and what they're seeing now, and it's changed in the last year, is that among working-class Democrats, Climate is now number three. Healthcare, jobs, climate. And among Republicans who watch things other th besides Fox, it's four. The people who only watch Fox, it doesn't. But more and more people, I mean, because the middle of the country's been underwater. Look what, you know, they're being affected now. And th there's nothing like being affected that causes you to realize this is real. This isn't something in the future. This is happening right now. And we have 11 years, according to the science. I th we have to accomplish something by 11 years. That's different than, well, let's scratch our heads and debate about it for nine and a half of those 11 years. No. Um, I wanted to ask a question. Do you think that, and I don't know anything about uh, weather patterns, I'm not a scientist, but with the droughts and the fires that we've been breathing the smoke in California. It's been very intense. And the flooding that's happening where I used to, 20 years I was a taxpayer in Georgia, so I'm from New York, so I'm an East Coaster by, by nature. Um, and then the hurricanes in the middle, it's, they, they say that that's what's happening in the waters as well, and, and I'm, I'm seeing it politically as well. The, uh, strat the stratification is becoming more extreme of temperatures, pH, politics, and this rumble in the middle where the, where the two extremes are meeting. And I, I think we're responding to that instinctively by getting into the street and expressing our concern. So w what about when people hear the Green New Deal? Some people say that must happen because there's such urgency and alarm with what's happening with climate change. Other Republicans will say it's Green New Taxes, it's taxes. Can you break through out of this partisan divide on the Green New Deal or not? Is there a way out of that? Um, yeah, it's like the New Deal. You know, back in the 30s, I only came into the world on the end, end of it, but um, I've read a lot about it, and people were very opposed to, to they hated the Green New, they hated the New Deal, they hated Roosevelt. All three of my husband's fathers <laughs> thought Roosevelt was a communist. Um, <laughs> 
Though I read that. On you're, the other hand, my the only time I saw my father cry was when Roosevelt died. Really? Yeah. But you know, Roosevelt. Um, the only time you ever saw him cry? Yeah, he's from Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so there were there was a lot of opposition. There was also a huge number of people that were in the streets demanding that he do these programs that would lift them out of despair and poverty. And so he started doing these programs in areas where people didn't necessarily support him. And once they could see that they were being helped, then they then they began to understand and they were and they were allies. And I think that that's what's going to happen. The fact is that no climate legislation can pass unless, I mean, real stuff, not cap and trade and sequestration and all that, but the real stuff that has to happen, like no new fracking or drilling. We have to leave $11 trillion worth of fossil fuel in the ground. That includes That's not burning gonna, the reserves. Huh? That includes burning off the oil reserves. Just we just have to leave it there, and that's going to be a hard pill for the fossil fuels, you know, the fossil fuel industry to accept. So it's going to require a massive outpouring of people um, demanding that, that and, and how do you uh, get there? And 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 if they don't see that there's something in it for them in the plan to how to move forward in a fossil free world, they're not going to support it. They never do. You, you brought up the 70s and Senator Cruz, your exchange in the elevator. How do you get there as a climate activist? Because you walk around any city now, people are living in their phones. There are fewer protests on Capitol Hill. You're one of the rare people I've heard about recently getting a lot of traction for having a protest. How do you, does, does Hollywood still have the capital to galvanize people on some of these issues? Or do you worry about Hollywood and celebrities' ability to get people excited about Look what politics. the students did. There were six million students globally. They closed down streets in Washington. I mean, it's, they're We're late there. to the party. We're missing a chance to lead. This country is missing its chance to lead by this period of time. I, I think, you know, the wind farms and the batteries and the alternative energy sources um, are likely, we're going to be getting them from other countries because we're not going to be exporting them. We're, we're missing a window of time historically right now. The, the, the rise of people's awareness and concern about, about climate change is, has been marked. I mean, like last night on the debates, there was discussion of climate change. Several of the candidates said it's the number one problem. I mean, that didn't happen a couple of years ago. It's, it's out there. We just have to get people to now put their concern into action. That's the goal. But Hollywood is one player. Um, but Hollywood can't do it. It's, it's, the people that are coming aren't just coming for movie stars. They're coming because they want to be a part of it. They want to put their bodies on the line. It's, it's unbelievable, the, 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 the requests that we're getting from people all over the country. We want to start Fire Drill Fridays. What do we do? And we're going to let them do it. Didn't this also ha go back to the question of how the Green New Deal ties in, and, and I think people are so eager to have a plan for sustainable energy and one that identifies the, the, the justice aspect of, and that's something that I, you speak so well on, um, of, of the disparity between the people that have some say in the water they can afford or where they live in terms of uh, sacrifice zones of toxic coal ash or Superfund sites. I mean, this Friday is going to all be about uh, fresh water, potable water. 
and I'm very concerned about every form of water. I don't know what that is about. Uh, maybe I'm an Aquarius, and you can call me a. <laughs> but, uh, but all jesting aside, um, yeah, I think people want the Green New Deal because they want to plan something they can look forward to and aspire to and see its functionality rather than, oh, you know, write, writing things off with a wave of the hand. No, th there is a good deal of thought put into that. It's, it's a framework. It's a very general framework of how to move forward. But there are people right now that are working to flesh out all the policies. What a president could do on, in the first 10 days just by executive order. One important thing is re-ban, because Obama lifted the ban on exporting crude oil, which was a catastrophe. But that can be reversed. And you're, a lot of other things. You're disappointed with President Obama? On the, the climate, yeah. The climate? He didn't get it. He didn't get it. What did he not get? He didn't get how urgent it is. And I don't think he, that he understood how um, it doesn't hit everybody equally. It's poor people and people of color. And I don't know, he could have done more. I mean, I love him and I wish he, <laughs> wish he was back, but he didn't, he didn't get it and we didn't hold him. I blame us. We didn't hold his feet to the fire. What are your impressions of the 2020 Democratic field and the way they're addressing climate change and oceans? Hmm. People don't think about the ocean so much unless um, you live on the coast, you are a professional who, that's your livelihood uh, in terms of ocean daily uh, and impact. Um, you know, I think it's been a state by state unifying process to rebel against this, I think, is it 13795? horrid executive order which is called America First and it's not, it's actually America Last because you want to put uh, this administration wants to put, um, open up the entire eastern seaboard to offshore drilling. That's what got me passionate. Uh, you about wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post about Thank you for running it. I mean, it ran September 11th, that's a tough date, but things live forever on the internet and that's good. Um, but yes, I, the oceans and the way it interacts, I mean, we have the visuals now of all the plastics that are floating on all the shores all over the world. And people are, there's no words. I mean, it's, if that were art and poetry and beauty and truth, you see it in a photograph and it is heartbreaking. And it is uh, strangely beautiful because it's, it's screaming help at us and it wants, it wants, it doesn't have a voice. We need to give a voice to, the creatures that are choking on virgin plastic. What people don't realize, I mean, the plastic that's breaking down in the oceans that we see, what people don't realize is that the petroleum industry has figured out a way to shift its focus over into new plastics. 300 new plants are planned in the United States alone to uh, make nurdles. Google nurdle, look it up. You will see a visual. It chokes everything with a mouth in the ocean. I mean, it's, it's virgin plastic and it gets spilled everywhere. And it, it's, it's shocking what happens with plastic has no place in our oceans and it is a full cycle of ruination when it comes from the fossil fuel industry. So it should not be on our shores and all of the governors of the Eastern Seaboard and the West Coast agree, we don't want offshore drilling in this country. So unban, reban, go back to the ban, back and forth with these um, presidents that we've had, 
but the, the fact remains is that we only have one planet. There is no planet B, right? So I th we, the ocean uh, we can all agree on because we share it. It's not as political as you'd think. It doesn't have boundaries, it doesn't have borders. Um, I thought what was striking last night at the debate was that, that several of the candidates said climate crisis is the number one issue, overriding everything. And that's, that's the first time that that's happened. I think happened. the Sunrise Movement organization gets a hand in that because no they, they are grading. The young people yeah. are grading the politicians that are running for office now and in terms of their policies on what they say, how they say it, and how many times they say it on climate change. Mm -hmm. We and have a question from Twitter about this. Which 2020 elections candidate climate and oceans platform do you feel best addresses current and future global warming? I think there's three of them. There, uh, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Tom Steyer. They all have very good climate policies. Anyone in particular in that trio stand out? And are you ready? Are you working with any of them behind the scenes on climate? She's not going to go there. All I can say is it's too late for moderation. But whoever gets elected. Are you talking about it's too late for moderation in the Democratic Party? Any party. You know, we, we have, when we vote, we have to vote for somebody who's very, very brave. I mean, just think what it's going to take in terms of courage to demand that the fossil fuel industry leave $11 trillion in the ground. It'll take immense assets. political capital to get any of this done. Yeah. To cover Congress. And that's and where people come. That's where mobilization in the streets become important. Are you satisfied with Speaker Pelosi and how she's handling these issues? Climate? No. No. She's bad-mouthing the Green New Deal, and I don't think she quite gets it, but she's got her hands full, and I'm really glad she's speaker, because uh, we need that kind of, sp yes. You know, I really, really, really admire her, but you know, when the impeachment is over and things like that, then we'll talk to her about climate and try to get her. <laughs> this is a global issue. You've both worked around the world. China is beginning, the Washington Post has reported, beginning to reopen and restart some coal power plants in China. India has some climate uh, challenges. Should more pressure be exerted on those, those countries as activists? Should that become more of a focus abroad? I feel that it's hard to point the finger when you have three pointing back at yourself. We, are, we, we claim to be leaders. Uh, this country uh, is so proud. I've watched all of the democratic, you know, people running for the job of president last night, we're all it's still wet paint on the canvas of our psyches, and I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, so this is what they're saying. How is it going to manifest? If not the planet, then what? Um, you know, I, I, again, it goes back to global dominance and all of the things that I heard when I went to, uh, a meeting at the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management, and I got to meet the the head the head there, Mr. Crookshank, and he was he was very kind to me. Uh, I, I went on behalf of the oceans to speak to him about um, zooplankton, zooplankton, and phytoplankton, and here I am making images of reverse pyramids and explaining the food web and saying, you know. Wind energy is wonderful. <laughs> I walked in his office and there was this plexiglass, larger than life size, uh, well, not actually uh, oil fields, Derek, but it's an offshore oil, Derek. And, and I just thought, oh boy, we, we have our work cut out for us. And so at the end of the meeting, after indulging me and being gracious and listening to me, Oceana was there with me, 
He said, oh, here's this map, and we want to leave you laughing and encouraged about the wind farms. And when they let it go, I mean, they dropped it. They turned their back and said, oh, we need to go back and think about this some more. We, you know, I understand the fishermen need a certain amount of room between each tower of, of wind power on the oceans, but I just want to, I want to hold their feet to the fire. I want to make sure they actually do it. That's why I wrote that op-ed, because it was the, um, oh, I'm blocking on the name of what the wind farm was. Um, Vineyard Wind. God bless you. Vineyard Wind. Yeah, and, and we, hope it, we hope it goes through. I mean, Rhode Island has done a lot of wonderful work, and Senator Whitehouse is a hero of mine. I, I admire him tremendously in terms of, I met him at the Climate March in April of 17. So anyway, I digress. It's a global problem, and, and Diane's right. We have to lead the way, because in other countries, people are saying, well, why should we bother? Look, at there's nothing happening in the United States. So we do the have hypocrisy. to do all kinds of things, and we can really help those countries by developing, for example, a technology to make cement that doesn't hurt the environment. Things like that would really be beneficial for, for China and India and Africa. So we, we, we can play a, a, a really good role. Stop exporting our, co our oil, stop exporting our, our plastics, and help them with new technology. I was down in Atlanta for the Washington Post MSNBC debate over the last few days and telling some people about this conversation. And there was a lot of enthusiasm among many of the political operatives I was encountering. But among some of the Republicans who were down there, they said, well, challenge them on their own carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a fair question. How are you both taking steps to reduce your own carbon footprint as you also advocate for the climate? Yeah, let me just say that's what the right wing does. They, they, they say- I told you it was a question yeah, from the right wing. They, they, turn, they turn it back on individuals. It's our fault. If we didn't buy things that were made by oil, you know, the clothes and everything else that is made by the fossil fuel industry, there wouldn't be a problem. It's not our fault that consumers like our stuff. Um, so how do you counter that? Yeah. If that's their So, you know, I drive an electric point. car. I had a windmill on my ranch in the 1970s, and that's how we got our electricity north of Santa Barbara and photovoltaic cells. I'm getting rid of single-use plastic. I've cut way back on meat and fish because fish stocks are plummeting. Um, recycling, I'm, I'm doing it all. But what I realized is, important as it is, it's an on-ramp. It's a starting place, not an ending place. You can't be scaled up in time to get us where we need to go. That is correct. And ditto to the list of, of, of personal choices. And I am actually going to... I'm in the process of accessing my, or assessing my carbon footprint. I did buy uh, offsets to travel here to defend myself against that question. <laughs> Could be put on the defense. And rightfully so. I mean, we, we have to look and, 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 con and contend with our own hypocrisy as we participate in capitalism. But I will say, um, oh god, what was I going to say? Something specific. Oh, I think at night sometimes, <laughs> sleepless as I lay there, um, I think about ways in which consumers can have a warehouse of options that we can bring to policymakers, even if it's just your local grocery store. Why can't I bring my and reuse my Tupperware? I know that sounds completely small, but on a daily basis, if we're going to be reusing our bags, why don't we re? Why does all my greens at the grocery store come in 
plastic bubbles now. Didn't used to be that way. In France and, and uh, most of Europe, you could get all your vegetables and, and flowers in paper that's biodegradable. And uh, you know, I look for everything to be biodegradable and, and compostable. That's the tell. Compostable. Doggy bags. It's a thing. But don't let it's them guilt thing. trip you. It's not our fault. We didn't create it. But, but, but yes, we've been duped and hooked. And, um, and they're coming between us and our water now. We got to not trust our water and drink out of plastic. Back to a fire drill Fridays. How long does this go? And what are the legal implications? Are your lawyers telling you perhaps if you keep doing this, you keep getting arrested, you, you may actually be put in prison for an extended period? Um, yeah. Uh, on the third arrest, then I was given a court date. And then I got arrested a fourth time and I spent the night in jail. And my lawyer, but they dismissed my case. But the lawyer said that the next time I get arrested, I'll spend the night in jail. And then if I do it again, then I might get more, you know, and I can't because I have to start Grace and Frankie. Um, <laughs> but I intend to spend my 82nd birthday in jail. When is that? December? December 20, 21. You're prepared to spend your birthday in jail? Yeah. Bob, could I trouble you for that water? Yes, of course. We're trying to call attention. I'm, I'll do anything oh, I'll to call it. attention to nobody else drank that. Okay. No, one's else, no one else Nobody's has had a sip. Who's my immune system? I saw you it's pause. No, like, no one else has had a sip. <laughs> it's clean water. It's not an Aaron Brockovich moment, is it? No. 82 people okay. are going to get arrested for my 82nd 82. birthday. 82. Yeah. Well, how do people even join this? I mean, is it just you showing up at the Capitol? How does this work? Well, um, I invite my famous friends, although some are now asking to come. I mean, you know something cool? You know who's going to be there tomorrow? Do any of you watch The Good Place? You know the Manny Jacinto? He's the Buddhist, the crazy Filipino character that's so cool. He's coming. He got inspired by Ted Danson and asked to come. I didn't even ask him. I didn't know him. Um, the kid that plays young Shelton, Ian Armitage, he's 11. He's coming. They reach out and, and, and ask to come. Um, so, you know, people just call up. Either me or Ira, who deals with our communications, or um, DC Action, which does our logistics, and say, "Tell me where to come and where to," and and it's just growing, and it's not going to stop. You talk a lot about how youth inspires you both, but we've had a conversation about older women <clears throat> showing up, and that you've noticed older women are passionate about this as much as younger people. What have you? What, what, what has this experience revealed to you about that group? In the climate. Well, I, I've noticed for a long time that older women, first of all, we get braver as we get older. We just do. What the hell do we have to lose? You know what I mean? It's, we're not in the market anymore for some guy that doesn't, is scared of strong women. So we can rise to who we really are and, 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 and be ourselves. And so that's one thing. Another thing is that we understand, just innately, we understand the collective. The, the notion of interdependence, the sense of the common, the public sphere is inside women much more than men. We're much less vulnerable to individualism, number one. Number two, we're more impacted by climate crisis in terms of our bodies because we carry more fat, which tends to... to no, um, the bioaccumulation is a thing. Yeah. It affects but your you endocrine system, bioaccumulation of all the toxins that are available in... Wherever the toxins are, I'm not going to, I mean, I guess we can say 
Water. They, they, they're, they're sequestered in our fat, and it affects us. It affects children in utero. It affects, you know, ch childbirth. We are 80% um, of the climate refugees are women. We're the, le the last ones to be rescued. Um, rape, sexual assault, and, and even disappearing, disappearance is, is always on the rise in zones that are being fracked or drilled or mined because thousands of men are brought into these rural areas, man housed in man camps, and there's a lot of sexual violence that goes on. What about that issue, though, if people are getting jobs through the oil industry, the shale industry, and they say, maybe climate change is a concern, but how do you break through to yeah. that person who counts on that job? Yeah. That it, it's a, a you mean the just transition that's been spoken about in the Green New Deal? They speak about it, a just transition. Yeah. But, so let's say they're not reading the Green New Deal. If someone has a job in a man right. camp, what do you say to them to care about the climate in the same way you do? Well, you know, they, there, there, are, there are good pipes. Some pipes are bad, but some pipes are really good. Like when we create thousands, tens of millions of jobs, retrofitting every home in America, laying out the new energy grid, putting up charging stations for electric cars and so forth. These are all new jobs that use the same skills that the workers are using now. Of course they're scared. These are union jobs they have. They pay a decent wage. Whereas, you know, what's happened too much is that they're, as they're transitioning to new jobs that are not paid and they're not union jobs, what the Green New Deal says is they will be paid during the transition and they will be union jobs with a decent wage. But they don't believe it now, and I can totally understand why. And the AFL-CIO is not supportive of, of the Green New Deal and, and what we're talking about. But all you have to do is look at what happens when there isn't a just transition. Look at the miners, the coal miners in West Virginia and Kentucky, where there's been absolutely no planning. They've lost their health care. They're suffering from black lung. They're not trained for new jobs. Nobody's paying any attention to them. Well, they're primed to be suckered again because they're, they've become dependent on this. And now the fossil fuel industry is saying, plastics, plastics in Appalachia. It's, the, it's very large. I do believe our leader-in-chief uh, toured the facility. I think it was Royal Dutch Shell, and they're, they're, they're making those nurdles. So I'm just saying, it's a continuation of a similar thing, but now it's, they're manufacturing plastic. And, and yes, they're, they're, they're afraid of change, and I, I understand that. Look, California is the number one user of, of, of fuel in cars. But at the same time, we need a new, a new gridding system for our power structure, and that is a lot of union jobs. It needs to happen. We can't keep having fires from windstorms that are, that are coming our way. So if you read the Washington Post, there was an article, a great profile of Diane Lane called that Diane Lane thing about how she has such appeal across with men and with women. And you're the first quote in that profile, Jeez. Uh, praising your friend. I, I'm not sure everyone here knows about your long-time friendship and how this came together. You're not just activists who are being pushed together today. For no, I courted her. How did this all come about, the friendship and the activism? I've always admired her. I thought she, was, she is so beautiful 
and so sensual. I love her acting, and I wanted to be her friend. And I remember the first time I met you at Bob Shea's party, and I, I honed in on you, and I haven't let you go. I feel the same yeah. way. She's stealing all my lines. I'm teasing. No, Jane, I, I adore you, and thank you. I'm, I'm blushing, and I don't know what to say. But I, I, oh. I, I grew up uh, feeling so much love for Jane, and I felt that we had something very similar, and I've spoken about it to other people. So now I'll say it to y'all right in front of her. Georgia, I can say y'all. Um, <laughs> there's a quality that Jane Fonda has that I've always admired, and I, when, it, when it became conscious, I realized it, and it's in her work, and I hope it's not gonna make you self-conscious, in the best way. Um, there's a kind of offering up of vulnerability that's almost against your will. And I felt like I had that too. I, I, it's almost like, I don't want to have this feeling in that, that's coming in the scene. And it's happening to me, here, here we go. We're gonna have this emotional experience now. And, 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 I, and I felt that I took these emotional journeys with you that I would have taken in the same way. And, and so I, I've been feeling very kindred She's a woman who's not afraid to go on a journey of self-exploration and, and, you know, when she disappears, and I don't know where she is, she, she might be in Machu Picchu on a shaman vision quest or something. <laughs> she, she really, she works on herself. I, I, I like that. I really admire that. Well, men And then I discovered that she was part of Oceana Grow. With, with Ted Danson, and that it is a great organization. It is a great organization. Yeah. And Ted is a wonderful leader of, of ocean advocacy. Yeah. And his wife, Mary Steenburgen, is a beautiful soul who needs to have her name sung out as well because, you know, uh, marriages and families and uh, support systems are part and part, and friendships. You know, it's the united factor. It's, 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 it's buddying up is, is an important part of. And if you're old, it's good to forward. have friends that are younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> so that people aren't dying and then you're suddenly left with nobody. All my friends are younger, so I'll die first. <laughs> well, my mom is gone and. God I'll bless you, your Jane. You're, you're, you're many people. A lot mom. of women call me mom. Right? Yeah. Right? Really? Yeah. Happy to so be in the crew. We're going to look for both of you tomorrow in handcuffs. No, I I'm not getting arrested tomorrow. I'm, I'm jail support on. tomorrow. She's saving yeah. herself for her birthday. For your birthday and because of Grace and Frankie. Uh, but how many people do you think will show up tomorrow? 82? I never know. You never know. No. 11, every, it's always at 11 o'clock um, on the south east lawn of the Capitol and the civil disobedience because it's water and the Supreme Court is going to be hearing a bill to roll back the Clean Water Act. We're going to do the, the civil disobedience and close off the street between the Capitol and the Supreme Court. And I think metaphorically it's beautiful that it might actually be giving us water out of the sky <laughs> tomorrow. It's going to be raining maybe which will be an interesting, you know, to, 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 to brave through the weather and for the first time. It's been beautiful. Up and you're time. wearing a fire drill. Somebody gave me this because I'm not buying any new clothes, but they gave me this. So I'm... Fire drill Fridays. Mm-hmm. Excellent. It's becoming a thing. Certainly I is. I think it's going to continue after... Oh, it is. ...January. Are you going to carry it on? Well, I'll do what I can. I will do what I can. I'm going to be on crutches for a little bit, but then after that I'll, I'll march again. 
The first February, the first Friday in February, we're going to do one of these well-produced like we do here in L.A. For every, because I'm going to be there making Grace and Frankie, every, every first Friday we're going to do it, and other places around the country. Great. Well, Diane Lane and Jane Fonda, thank you so much thank for you. joining us here at the Washington Post to discuss activism. Really appreciate it. You're the bomb. Thank you. Please give them a, a nice round of applause. Thanks so much for joining us. Best wishes. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.